All righties, and welcome back to Herbs Acupuncture and Everything Else. It's been a really long time since we've last been here. Um, there's been a lot of changes and personal growth and adventures going on this year, but I have come back to introduce someone that I find incredibly inspiring and has been a great teacher and mentor for me in the past couple weeks, and I intend to continue. Um, I'm currently taking this wonderful woman's masterclass in cervical healing and wellness. Um, but yeah, so her name is Danelle, and she is the founder of Cervical Wellness. And she's really, I mean, there's a lot of things that I would say um, Danelle uh, embodies, but she's a, a woman's healing guide and a wellness educator. Um, has studied integrative health, is also an artist, uh, a writer, and offers both master classes and one-on-one -on -one sessions. Um, and it's really, she's got really heart-centered, um, a heart-centered approach, which is really beautiful. So I just want to welcome you here today for the podcast. Thank you, Emma. I'm so excited and honored to be speaking with you and your community. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. All the way from California. Yes, all the way from California. <laughs> so I'm sure this is the most, you know, like the number one question that you're asked, but um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your cervical healing journey? Because I know that that's um, predominantly what you work with is the cervix and, and helping people on their cervical healing journey. So just wondering if you can say a little bit about, about that. Yeah, I'd love to, you know, no matter how many times I, I share my story, uh, you know, new pieces come in. So I'm grateful for the opportunity. So I, um, at the age of 19, received my first abnormal pap smear. So, you know, if you have a female body, you go get a pap smear and it came back abnormal. Uh, I was diagnosed with HPV and cervical dysplasia, although at that time I had literally zero idea what that even meant. Um, I was going to a Planned Parenthood at the time and uh, when they gave me this diagnosis, um, they just told me that I was young, that you know this was common and that I would heal so I didn't have to worry about it. And um, you know that that moment of just dismissing the the issues of my cervix at that age of 19 really <laughs> was like a, a moment in my life that was like a crossroads where I had maybe someone sat me down and explained to me like what HPV is. It's like, oh, it's a STI, it's a virus. What is cervical dysplasia? Oh, it's this precancerous condition on the cervix. Uh, this is what it means and this is how you can help yourself. If someone had done that for me, my, um, you know, early 20s, uh, going into my late 20s would have been very different. So my Planned Parenthood sent me out the door with no information, with nothing. Basically, I just knew I had abnormal, I had an abnormal pap. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, over the next few years, I continued to get pap smears and they continued to be abnormal. And never once did anybody ever tell me anything. Like through over, over and over and over again, seeing different practitioners, nobody ever told me anything about what this meant. So 
you know, the, for those of you who do have cervical dysplasia or know of it, you know that there's different grades where there's like SIN1, which is like the basic level of cervical dysplasia, and it goes up to SIN2 to SIN3. Then it's um, considered carcinoma in situ, which is like the very um, early stages of cancer. So as I was continuing to get these abnormal pap smears, my grade of cervical dysplasia continued to, to increase, which means it was getting worse. And and all this time, the only thing that my doctors ever offered me was surgical procedures to remove the cells of my cervix, which um, I probably would have said yes to had I not uh, looked up what the procedures were online. And I saw mm. images of like what happened during these procedures. And it, it scared me, actually. Mm -hmm. I, got, I got scared. <laughs> so I, I refused those. Um, and then the only other option was the HPV vaccine. And I just, it, logically, it didn't make sense to me to get a vaccine for something I already had. I'm like, I already have the virus. What will the vaccine do? So, you know, fast forward and having had this diagnosis now for four years, my doctors were like, you're not listening to us. You're getting worse. Like, we need to send you away to someone else so that you'll listen to them. And I got sent away to a teaching hospital in my home area and I saw like a really well-known OBGYN, um, like a teacher in the field. And I, and I had my seventh colposcopy, which if you know what a colposcopy is, you know what it is. <laughs> if yes. you had one, you yes. know what it is, um, a biopsy of the cervix. And, you know, the, the OB basically looked me in the eyes and said, you know, you refuse all of our treatments, and if you continue to refuse, there's nothing we can do for you. I'm sorry, there's nothing more we can do for you. And mm -hmm. so they like sent me out the door with SIN3, cervical dysplasia, and HPV, oh uh, saying, sorry, you know, you're not listening, bye. Um, and I really felt like um, I had received a death sentence from my doctors. I was like, okay, I'm gonna get cervical cancer. Okay, I'm gonna die. Okay, this what the heck? I'm only I'm only in my mid twenties. This is yeah. not this is not how it's supposed to go. Um, but from like those deep that deep moment of despair when I got home, I was like, in, I literally was in the shower crying on the floor. Oh my god. Uh, a you know, the way I tell the story is like a, a, a light literally illuminated within my body. It was just like one moment I was crying and the next moment I felt this surge of energy and it was like my body's voice came to me for the first time ever. And as I like, hold on Danelle, like clearly something's wrong and nobody has helped us at all. Like we're going to figure this out. You and me, you and me, you and me, girl. <laughs> and but it was like my body telling me this. And so I got up off the shower floor and I like declared to myself, looking in the mirror, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm not going to die of cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. So for the next three years, I went on this journey of learning about everything I could about the cervix, cervical dysplasia, uh, women's reproductive health. I went back to grad school and got my master's in integrative health just because I was so hungry to learn about how does the body heal? How does the human body regenerate? Like what sort of, um, uh, what, uh, what sort of atmosphere do we need to live in in order to support the body to do what it does naturally and that's heal and mm -hmm. 
you know, and through this whole time, through this whole exploratory journey of looking also at myself, my lifestyle, you know, my sexual practices, my, you know, how my mindset around my body, um, I still continue to have abnormal pap smears. I still continue to have these abnormal diagnoses, but because I was taking such concerted action in my life, like I didn't care anymore about the bullying that I was receiving or the scare tactics that the doctors are presenting to me. I mean, I had doctors actually shame me for having quote too much sex. They're like, you need to stop having so much sex. And I was like, okay, that is not the problem here. Um, so long, you know, coming to the end of these three years, seven years from the time I first received the diagnosis, I finally received a clear pap smear and my oh. doctor, they called me on a Saturday, which was weird because doctors don't really call you or on the weekend, but she called me and she's like, Danelle, I couldn't wait to tell you on Monday through, you know, the online messaging service, but your, this dysplasia is gone. Your cervix is healthy. It's healed. It's actually the healthiest I've ever seen it. And yeah. HPV isn't showing up in your system anymore. And she's like, how did you do this? Like, what did you do? And, um, you know, it, when she asked me that question, I just started laughing, mm. like maniacally, kind of like a witch's cackle, because <laughs> I was just like, I can't believe it. I did this. I, I did it against all the odds, against everything that everybody said to me, you know, including my family members who, you know, really wanted me to listen to what the doctors said. I had reversed uh, this diagnosis and and very very quickly within probably like two minutes that excitement turned into anger mm -hmm. just I grew so angry with how much I had been bullied how much I had been shamed how like in recognizing how little I had been taught about my body how, how little I've been taught about my female body and like female reproductive health and, and the cervix in particular and so from this place of anger I decided to like compile all the information that I had um gathered over these three years and in my own you know personal healing you know anecdotes and stories and um, I began to share it with the women of my life the first time I shared it was actually in graduate school in the, in the last semester of my program mm -hmm. and the women in my program are like why haven't you ever talked about this I'm like, <laughs> I didn't know people wanted to hear about the cervix and cervical dysplasia and they're like yes we want to hear about it like why haven't you said anything um, and so since then, it's now been um, a little over three years since that first presentation in my, um, actually three and a half years since that presentation in my grad school, uh, that I've now basically devoted my whole life to um, bringing a voice to the cervix on behalf of the female body and, and educating women about how they can take care of their bodies, how they can reverse pap smears on their own, and basically debunking the myth that leap procedures and cone biopsies and, and LETS procedures and hysterectomies are, are the only way to, mm. to get rid of these cells. Um, yeah, I'll stop there and let you, you know, ask questions or whatnot. Because <laughs> oh, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think there's a lot of confusion and uh, misinformation around what that initial diagnosis looks like, and then can can do to you afterwards. If that makes mm -hmm. sense, like 
I also had a similar, yeah, 19. And they're like, I go in for my first pap, my first ever pap. And they go, they call me. And, and I had also had like, you know, my regular STD screening and they call me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have syphilis. Like, oh no. <laughs> and I pick up and they're like, no, you don't have any STDs, but you, you have low grade cervical dysplasia. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? And I think what the woman said on the phone was they're abnormal cells that could become cancer. And I was like, oh God. And I said, what can I do? And she said, don't smoke, eat well, come back in six months. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't smoke. <laughs> I think I eat well. This is not helpful. <laughs> and that was it. That was all I got. And then we're kind of left in this like wilderness um, where we just don't know how to, how to take care of ourselves or what who we can tell. And then there's all the stigma around, like you said, what does having cervical dysplasia mean? What does having HPV mean? And all the implications around it. It's really, I think, important that you tell your story, that we all tell our stories about that. Yeah, you know, that's one of the biggest pieces in in the work I do is just giving um, women permission to talk about this, to talk about you know, going to get a pap smear and having it come back abnormal. It's, it's actually amazing how many people <laughs> go through this yeah. and we don't even know, like your best friend could be going through this, but there's so much shame and stigma, like you said, around having an issue in this part of our body that we don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I love, I love my mother and she did not know how to handle me wanting to talk to her about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a big, a big part of cervical wellness is just normalizing the conversation of having reproductive health issues, which is, you know, besides HPV and cervical dysplasia, reproductive health issues are um, on the rise in general with other mm -hmm. diagnoses. And um, we, we need to not feel alone in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny you mentioned that too, because I remember calling my mother and asking her, like telling her, oh my gosh, I, you know, abnormal pap smear. And she, she says to me, oh yeah, I had, I had a couple of those, went away. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So it was not a big deal, I guess, for her to receive that because maybe there wasn't the fear tactics in place or the, the shame around it, or they didn't tell her what it really meant. Um, but she was not concerned and I was very deeply concerned. <laughs> Oh, that's that's interesting. I, well, I'm wondering if maybe just treatments have transformed since then, and and there's not such a like a funnel approach to pushing people into treatments. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there does seem to be quite. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you would you would say so as well. A focus on going back every six months, go for colposcopy, go for the leap procedures, and just let let the doctors dictate what the next steps are for your cervix. Yes, yes, that is, I, I see that all the time. I'm giggling because it's just, it's ludicrous to me that there's a one size fits all approach to this place of our body that um, is, is actually the most innervated part of the female reproductive anatomy and that sexual organ too, like an organ of pleasure, you know, besides the clitoris, which has the most nerve endings, the cervix has the most innervation, meaning it can receive the most pleasure, it can feel the most pain. And so to have these treatments that just don't even acknowledge this, um, it makes me laugh because I'm uncomfortable and angry about it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Oh my gosh, definitely. And I think there's something to be said too. I mean, it sounds like um, from your story, and I've I've had kind of one. I've had one other pap since then, and 
it also was still, they were like, oh, it's not that bad, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, 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 the crushing feeling of going back for another pap and having it be the same mm-hmm. and how, yeah, how hard that can be to deal with as well. Yeah. So, you know, in, in my work with, with women around abnormal pap smears, I really um, invite all of us to think of the healing journey as a marathon and not a sprint that, you know, it's taken who knows how long for us to get to this place in our body, our body system imbalances or, um, you know, you know, maybe chronic stress or maybe even past uh, illnesses and diseases that have impacted our immune system or impacted, um, you know, our, our, our body's physiology in different ways that when we go back every six months, like six months isn't that long of a time in mm-hmm. terms of like a, a body span. Like it takes your lungs 11 years to fully regenerate. Um, so I invite all of us who are on a cervical healing journey to um, well, one, learn what you need to learn, like receive the education about what you're doing and what you're working with, but also to trust that your body has this innate intelligence within it that, that knows what it's doing. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're um, providing the right environment, both in our inner world, like internally through mindset and beliefs and, and self-talk and um, you know, working with the energies that are already in your pelvis from maybe past sexual experiences and whatnot, as well as providing an environment externally for a body that is, um, you know, re- reduced in stress and has, you know, healthy sunlight and, and water and good food and, you know, all those, those basic, <laughs> basic health tenets um, that, that the human body will heal like that's what it's designed to do the human body is designed to live it's designed to be healthy and um so for like for example in your situation um you know if you go back again for that pap smear and you're nervous and you're like oh my gosh is it going to be abnormal is it going to be abnormal if it is abnormal uh, that's okay because that's still a, a sign that um you're mo- you're still moving in that direction it's not like you're stagnant i think that's what people um that's what we need to realize is that our body isn't stagnant we're not like stuck in this place that as long as we hold our like eye on the prize and and continue to incorporate things that are beneficial for us and remove pieces of our life that perhaps are draining our energy or are harmful that um, eventually we will get there and so for me it took three years of concerted like focus <laughs> um, mm-hmm. that's that doesn't have to take it doesn't have to take that long for everybody but that's just an example of how long the reversal process can take oh for sure yeah I think that's a very important point to remember definitely it's there's so much there's so much depth to this topic I feel like it's it's hard to cover which makes sense why you have a master class all about it um, there's so many in every journey is so different. Um, I did have a question that I wondered, cause you do uh, one-on-one work with your clients. Um, and do you find that there's a big difference between how often your clients go to leap or colposcopy versus how often we are told to go? Mm. That's a really, when I work with clients, I, uh, support them to just dis- make a decision that's best for them. So I, I'm not 
someone to say, don't go and get a leap procedure. Don't mm -hmm. go and get a colposcopy. Because mm -hmm. for some people, like, getting those, um, those procedures done uh, helps them feel like they're doing something for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but that being said, when I have, uh, you know, that initial conversation with a new client who's maybe thinking about the leap or even thinking about getting more colposcopy biopsies, I always invite them to come back to their body and to ask their body if, they're, if, if, if this will help their body heal. So in colposcopy, one thing that is helpful is that it does give you more information mm. so it gives you like the exact the exact level of cervical dysplasia and it will tell you exactly where on the face of the cervix uh, the dysplasia is presenting whereas like a pap smear is more of just like a broad brush stroke and you don't you don't really know what the grade is you don't really know where it is but you know it's there mm. so for people who want more information who like feel better having um, you know, exact details about what they're working with. I, you know, say that maybe colposcopy would be beneficial, although I do not recommend getting multiple colposcopies in one year because mm -hmm. there is research coming out showing that too many biopsies actually exacerbate cervical dysplasia. Um, but the lead procedure or having procedures to treat cervical dysplasia, like a cone biopsy, or I think in um, like Great Britain and Australia, it's called the LETS. Mm. I, I do my absolute best to be compassionate when people really want them. Mm -hmm. uh, and I really advocate for people to try out a lifestyle approach for at least a year before mm -hmm. they say yes to elite procedure. Because um, according to statistics, once you have SIN3, which is the highest grade of cervical dysplasia, it can take anywhere from five to 25 years mm. for it to develop into cancer. Right. And so what I tell all my clients is like, you have time. Mm -hmm. This rushed approach in Western allopathic medicine has nothing to do with um, your healing timeline. It has everything to do with the the process in which they've been trained to follow. You know, if A, A presents, then we go to B, which will lead us to C, and if that doesn't work, then we go to D. You know, there's no. It's a. It's a. It's like a strategy that they that they place on every single human. But when when we give when I invite um, my clients to take the lifestyle approach, um, then we can look at all the different facets of their life and, and look at what might be preventing them from healing. Uh, because as you mentioned earlier, you know, every body is different, every life is different. And even though we have the same diagnosis, what got us there mm -hmm. is different for each and every one of us. And that's important to, to know. Oh my gosh, so completely. Holy moly. Wow. <laughs> I know it's a lot. I know it's a lot. <laughs> but the work you're doing is really fantastic because I think a lot of people feel like as soon as they get their diagnosis, it's like alarm bells. Like I need to do this now or I'm going to get cancer next year. <laughs> right. Or like tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. And you're like, I have to, I have to just go with it and I don't have time to think. I don't have time to tune in. I don't have time to heal. Right. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, what do you feel is the most important misconception that women have about or female body people have about cervical dysplasia? 
Yeah, so there's a couple, but the first one that's coming through that wants to be said is that um, that when we, so a common misconception is if we have cervical dysplasia, then I have done something seriously wrong in my life to get here. Mm. And, you know, in, in the thousands of people I've spoken to about this, what is coming through very strongly right now is that um, what we are experiencing is actually the physical manifestation of like generational sexual traumas. Mm. So like our mother, our grandmother, our grandmother's mother and so on and so forth. And um, so we can be born with the imprints of these traumatic experiences. And if uh, our, our mother or her mother didn't do work to process it, then it's passed to us. And I really, I really believe that the reason why there's such a, an increase in prevalence of cervical dysplasia is because for the first time in history, we as female body people can have the time and space and opportunity and tools and resources to actually do this deep energetic work within our pelvis and so i remind i remind all my clients that it's not just it's not just our lifetime we're working with here mm -hmm. and so to not not put the whole burden of everything on your shoulders um, that it's we didn't do anything wrong we just didn't have the right education and know how that you know, in previous generations, they didn't know they needed to do the work or else we would be stuck with it. Um, and then the, the other piece, which I just kind of alluded to, is that uh, just because we have HPV and cervical dysplasia doesn't mean that um, we are like sexually bad or that we've done anything wrong with sex. Uh, that are, you know, that our sexual organs are bad or, you know, what a evil, whatever word you want to place there. Uh, the truth is, is that modern contemporary sex education is horrific <laughs> and doesn't actually teach us anything we need to know. Um, so it's not, it's not our fault that we didn't know about the cervix. It's not our fault that we didn't know um, that, you know, our immune system and lifestyle plays into our reproductive health. You know, we were kind of if you were like me at all, you were just kind of like thrust into adulthood or, you know, being a teenager and you just learned about sex through maybe the sex education classes in, in school, which were for me a lot about just how to put a condom on and maybe abstinence and birth control, mm -hmm. um, but nothing about, uh, you know, physiology or the interconnection of mind body health or any of that. So none of it is our fault. I, I, I don't, I, because we can, we can tend to blame ourselves um, and that doesn't help anything. hundred percent. Oh man. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like even in some of our post uh, secondary education, like I, when I went to study herbalism, like I, I think when I received a dysplasia diagnosis, I didn't really know anything about a cervix and I had taken anatomy, physiology, biology. <laughs> Right. And well, kind of, yeah, skimmed over. Right. I say it's like the forgotten piece of the female reproductive system. It's yeah. just like, in fact, if you look at some anatomical drawings, they completely like dismiss the cervix. They don't even, um, they don't even label it. Oh my gosh. Oh my <laughs> um, yeah. It's really interesting how, how it is, has been this forgotten place. 
So again, it's not our fault. For sure. And you're right about that kind of almost like a deprogramming of all of the intergenerational trauma and um, yeah, just the, the, yeah, the trauma, the pain, the programming from our mothers, our grandmothers, it's all, it's all there. And that's, that's big work. And that's, yeah, not just based on, you know, what kind of sex you had when you were 19. Right. Right. (laughs) What do you feel like the energetics of cervical dysplasia are? Mm. Yeah, so I go into this in detail in in um, my masterclass series, but uh, in essence, I'll just kind of give a, a little gloss over. In essence, when a uh, a person comes to me and says that they have cervical dysplasia, that is uh, a um, a warning to me that there has been deep self rejection, mm-hmm. that there has been a a complete disconnection internally to the lower part of our pelvis. So all of our awareness has been pulled out of this part of our body, either because of past traumas, either because of even even like reprodu- um, I mean, birth trauma or gynecological trauma as well. It doesn't just have to be like penetrative sex. Um, or even just, um, you don't even have to have like physical trauma. It could be perhaps the way in which, you know, your family talked about the female body or whatnot and just this deep sense of shame around, around being a female uh, very often leads us to disconnect from our pelvis. And so to me, uh, cervical dysplasia is actually a message from our body, like a cry from our body to say, please come back here. Please bring your love and attention and awareness back to this place. Like I have a lot I want to tell you. And the only way I know how to get your attention is to, um, you know, become seemingly angry and upset and at, quote, abnormal. Um, but mm. the, the deep sense of self-rejection um, is, uh, is, uh, an energetic, uh, kind of imprint of cervical dysplasia. Um, yeah, I'll see there at that. For sure. And as I said, and we'll say again, I can't recommend your masterclass enough, especially if you are on that kind of healing journey, because it, the, the content that you provide is not found in a lot of places. Like it's not, it's not around and you're bringing a really beautiful approach to that. And I just really am grateful for, for you doing this work and for sharing your story. Cause I think that's how we change it. Right. Right. Thank you. And thank you, Emma, for being a part of it. You know, I'm every time someone signs up for one of my offerings or, or says yes to being my client, I, I am so excited for them because I'm like, yes, you have said yes to learning about your body in a new way, in a way that has never been presented to you, I can almost guarantee. And mm-hmm. the, the beautiful process that unfolds when we begin to, uh, reconnect to our cervix to bring love to this place within us um like life your life will change and i'm not saying that lightly it will it will grow and evolve in a really beautiful and profound way with some you know darkness and shadow sprinkled in there because you have to go through the darkness to to get to those those higher places of living um but yeah thank you for being on this journey with me (laughs) worries and something that really attracted me to the way that you work and is is a subsequent question is what place do you feel mindfulness and spiritual healing has in cervical dysplasia 
I feel like if it's like, if we're looking at it as like a pie and we're going to cut a slice out of the pie, that is like mind body connection and spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's like at least three quarters of, wow. of the pie and like the physical aspects, you know, is maybe another, the other quarter, you know, the physical aspects is important. Uh, mm-hmm. We have to lead a healthy lifestyle. We have to make sure that, you know, the fuel we're putting in is clean and that we're, um, you know, eliminating properly and drinking water and, and doing you know movement and whatnot. But I've, you know, Dr. Christian Northrup, who wrote this book called Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom, which if you haven't looked up that book, it's an amazing resource. Um, she has a quote that says, problems with the female reproductive system is an indication that she, that she has said yes to penetration when she didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like reproductive health issues is a, is in particular cervical dysplasia is a sounding alarm that uh, the energy within our bodies is rejecting our, our sacred female anatomy. And mm-hmm. usually what that has a lot to do with is our cultural programming around being a female, around um, being in this body, um, our cultural or like our systemic programming around like um, what the, the purpose of the female body is, you know, in patriarchy, the purpose of the female body is procreation and just to create babies for the production of workers. And, um, and so like all of these belief systems that have been placed on us have impacted the way we think about our body and I mean you know when I reflect back to when I was you know in my early teenage years I had the worst self-esteem ever like I hated myself I hated my body and of course that would set me up to be um, susceptible to these infections and to these um, uh, I don't want to say disease because cervical wellness isn't a disease these wellness experiences Um, because my own inner experience was against my body. I was like always at war with my body. And so of course, then because I was at war with my body, my body would start to become at war with itself. And, you know, truthfully, cancer is nothing more than your own cells mutating and, um, turning against itself. Mm -hmm. So, Um, Yeah, the mind body aspect and the way we, the stories we tell ourselves about our body, about our sexuality, about our our, our reproductive organs, um, that these play a huge role, a huge role. That's why my my whole aim with cervical wellness is like empowering uh, sex education. Like, how can we feel really good about this, about being in these bodies instead of being afraid or um, I used to wish I was a male because it seemed like to be a lot easier. <laughs> I was like, why can't I be a boy? That's what I would tell myself. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard that from a number of women recently that they've been like, you know what, in the depths of my despair, I just want to be a man. Right. Right. And so there's the self-rejection right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. And yeah, I think also you do a really lovely job of changing the language too. Like you said, like not dis-ease or like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault. Like, because what we think is then what we tell the cells in our body. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, the, every single cell in our body is intelligent. Um, and you know, there's, there's research out that shows like what can happen when you, when you say certain words of love and, and, and devotion to, to living forms and what happens when you say words of, 
you know, vitriol and hatred and, and disgust. And that's happening to us on a physiological level that we're doing to ourselves. For sure. Yeah. Um, one of the final questions I wanted to ask you, if you're comfortable speaking about it, is what, uh, how you feel about the HPV vaccine? I know that's like a hot topic. <laughs> that is such a hot topic. And, you know, I've been wanting to speak about it more because I honestly have been a little, um, just like on the outskirts of this conversation because some people, you know, people are very uh, opinionated about it. But truthfully, I'm just going to say it straight out. I think the HPV vaccine is a horrific, horrendous uh, like scar in the, the medical field and that it is it is actually coming out there's research coming out this year 2019 that is proving that HPV actually doesn't lead to cervical cancer mm. and so we have been fed this false narrative and the HPV vaccine doesn't actually protect protect you against all forms of HPV that can quote, give you cancer. I can't tell you how many clients I've had who come to me being like, I got the HPV vaccine, but I still have HPV and cervical dysplasia. Like what's going on? And you know, now there's like Gardasil 2 has come out, like a new form of Gardasil. And I've been looking at what is inside of it. And I mean, the amount of aluminum and, um, you know, ingredients that they put in it to stimulate the immune system to create these antigens that will quote, you know, potentially, <laughs> you know, protect against HPV yeah. are so harmful to the human body. And now they're giving it to young children and they, you're actually more likely to die from the HPV vaccine than you are to die from cervical cancer. You have like a one in 12,000 chance to die of cervical cancer. You have a one in 927 chance of dying from the HPV vaccine. Um, so, you know, that just, that yeah. right there just tells you, you know. Yes, thank you for speaking on that because I think, I mean, yeah, it's, the HPV vaccine is one of the like hottest topics and I know I went a long time without, I was like, nope, it's not good. It's, you know, like there's a great documentary, The Bleeding Edge. I know that's more about medical technology in terms of reproductive health, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the HPV vaccine that makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. um, but I can't believe that, like that new research you mentioned, I had no idea and mm -hmm. that changes everything. It does. I mean, uh, when I, you know, was going through the literature, you can you can always look up research um, online. PubMed is a good place to look. Um, mm -hmm. But when I saw that it's coming out that oh, we're, signs are indicating that HPV doesn't lead to cervical cancer, and then you know you look up all these um, stories of young teenagers, both you know males and females who have gotten Gardasil who have either died or become paralyzed or mm -hmm. um, just have horrific uh, injuries. It's, uh, I, that's where more anger within me is, is evoked being like, this is, this is not okay. This yeah. is not okay that we're being lied to. We're being, the, uh, the truth has been obfuscated and um, it's leading to a lot of harm. 100%. Yeah. And I, I managed to stay off of it for a long time until I worked at a pharmacy <laughs> mm, and was mm -hmm. dealing with cervical dysplasia. And I ended up being like, I don't want to say coerced because I, I did say yes, I did consent, but I did get the first of three. And then mm. was like, you know what? No, never mind. But mm. 
I remember thinking, and I remember being told, this will help your current dysplasia. <laughs> and then realizing, I don't, I don't think that's how that works. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, like, that's, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, man. I'm curious, did you, did you feel anything afterwards? Did you have any... I felt a little weird. Like I felt a little discombobulated. My arm was kind of burny, but I didn't, I didn't notice anything out of the ordinary, but mm-hmm. I remember being panicked about it and mm-hmm. having the male pharmacist that gave me the injection being like, you're fine. You're fine. This is safe. You're fine. And I'm like, I, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. and again, it's a, a male bodied person making help, like, you know, coercing me into making a decision about my body that they don't have experience with. Right. And that's right. the kicker. <laughs> right, right. I know. Well, that's so one thing that's coming through, I know we might be coming to the end of the time here, but just like uh, one thing that wants to be said is, um, you know, in reflexology, the cervix is equivalent to the head of the penis. Mm-hmm. So they're like the same anatomical body parts, just like rearranged differently. And I'm pretty sure that Western medicine would not be taking these same protocols if we were addressing the head of the penis. Oh, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. Just wanted to put that out there. percent. <laughs> yeah. My final, I think my final question for you will be um, just how have you seen women taking back their healthcare and taking back their bodies changing our world like in what are those ripple effects looking like from where from where you're standing in the thick of it Mm. well i love this question i'm grateful to have opportunity to reflect so the first the first thing that's coming through is that when when a person takes back their power of their body uh just in the doctor's office or just through you know the pap smear experience the ripple that I see time and time again is that there's suddenly uh, a sense of empowerment in other areas of their life where there wasn't empowerment. So for example, I've had clients who have um, you know, changed relationships or recognized that, oh, this, really, this partnership I'm in is actually very toxic and I haven't had the sense of inner power to leave. I've had clients who have quit their jobs that they've hated and felt used and abused in mm-hmm. and to then start these businesses that are really um, successful and, and they're living, living a life that feels good to them. I've seen, um, I've seen other clients who were in different fields like maybe like environmental biology or even like the cannabis industry or whatnot and suddenly they become inspired to go into female reproductive health in some way whether that's you know becoming a doula or a midwife or um becoming a vaginal steam practitioner you know whatever that is but there become there becomes a sense of like oh this is really important to support and i want to support it too um what else? I've seen, uh, I've had clients who have healed family relationships where, because, uh, you know, as I alluded to before, there is work around, um, you know, the mother line, mother lineage and ancestry. And, and I, there, I have several invitations. I, I give clients to work on that piece. And, um, you know, I've had people who, who have had, um, you know, deep conversations with their mother about, sex or sexuality or whatnot for the first time ever and it was like really healing for them Mm -hmm. so when we take 
when we reclaim our power over our body and especially our cervix, the ripple um, can reach all areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And it's like wherever else you are needing to find power within, uh, the cervical healing journey will support you in, in rediscovering that. And it's, it's really, it's like magic. Sometimes I'm like, I'm jaw dropped watching clients being like, oh my gosh, like look at this change you've made in a year. Oh my gosh. Completely. Um, yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Danelle, for, for being here and sharing your wisdom and for all the beautiful work that you do. It's really, I think it, it's the changing world. Like it's, you're one of the, you know, ambassadors of the new earth, if you will, of like changing the way that we treat ourselves and other people and our bodies. And yeah. Wow. Thank you. Thank you wow. so much. Well, thank you for that reflection. That that feels really good to receive. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to um, speak with you and your community. Yeah. And like we said, you are found at Cervical Wellness on Instagram, which that's my favorite place. The Instagram is beautiful. Um, and then you're also at cervicalwellness.com. Correct. Um, and yeah, you're, I, again, definitely sign up for the masterclass. I, I don't know if people can still sign up or if they have to wait for it to come around again, but Holy moly, it's great. <laughs> and yeah, you, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. You just released a book, correct? Yes, well, I mean, it's actually going to be officially released for people to be able to purchase on January 21st, 2020. Beautiful, and that's Inform, Aware, Empowered? Correct, uh, it's Informed, Aware, Empowered, A Self-Guided Journey to Clear Paps. I love it, and is that kind of similar to the masterclass, but um, more your story, or...? Yeah, it's actually, um, a, it's my story. It's the information, like, you know, the sex ed we never got or we never received. And then there's like a how-to guide. Like I give steps and recipes and where to buy things and what to do and how to formulate your life to support the natural regeneration of healthy cells of your cervix. Okay. And also the repression of HPV. Oh man, that's the best. Yeah, definitely. I, I will be ordering that for sure. I recommend everyone does. And I love the cover has a speculum on it. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. All the males in my life are like, what is that? I'm like, have you ever seen a speculum? Oh, yeah, you have no cool? <laughs> yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, holy moly. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah. thank you so much and have a, have a beautiful day.